And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 335 of This Old Marketing for Thursday, August 4th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and, well, a guy who hasn't had to have multiple edits to his latest album, like Beyonce, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? I wish, oh, I, I would want to be more like Beyonce. Regardless, uh, I, we don't we all want to be more like Beyonce? I mean, I, that's the real everything the she real comes question. out with, though, to me seems brilliant. Now, I know it's probably not, and it's just the glow of Beyonce being Beyonce. Yes, that's true, but it's just I don't feel like that necessarily about Jay Z, but I do about Beyonce. Yeah, well, she there is no doubt that her brand and her marketing and her ability to, you know put together albums is fantastic. Oh, but it's really just funny. I, it seems like every day there's some new, you've heard about this, right? You've the, 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 uh, you know, the controversy over, over her new album getting, you know, she, she had to edit a lyric out the same word, by the way, that, that, uh, Lizzo had to edit out of her latest album. Um, and then just literally yesterday, uh, Kellis basically, there was there's I guess at the end of one of the songs Renaissance I think it is uh, a a bit of that song plays and so Kellis on Instagram was like uh, you stole this you didn't even ask permission to use it you stole this and so they have to go now edit that out and now Monica Lewinsky has basically tweeted out um, yeah while we're at it you know while you're editing your album what, you know you could just take my name out of your album too so it's like everybody's basically saying yeah you're gonna need to go back and just re-edit everything it's like it, it's getting a little silly. What do you, yeah what do you so what do you think about it as a creator you know I think there's a limit right I mean you know the you know I I think look the word that Lizzo used and the word that Beyonce used, I'm, you know, so I'm of an age, right? I, and so if the cultural norm now is that that word is not okay, all right, fine. So it's a little bit of a, you know, shame on Beyonce and the team for not going, oh, look, Lizzo had to edit that word out. We should probably edit it out of our album before we release it because it's not like it was a big secret or anything. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, there is a limit here in terms of artistic expression and what, you know, what is getting said versus what people think is going to be acceptable, right? I think there's, you know, there's a certain point, and I, and I suppose it really depends on the individual, where you have to draw the line and say, nope, I'm not changing that. I'm, I'm going to continue to to talk about it. Um, you know, the comedian Bill Burr, I actually, he's been talking a lot about this lately about what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. And, you know, his point of view is it's comedy. It's, you know, for him, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an ironic take on things. And he's talked about that, you know, and I've just watched the, I don't know if you have seen the Dave Chappelle special where he, the Duke Ellington school, I did uh, see that actually. Yes. Did you watch it? Did I you did watch, watch the, whole, the thing? whole thing? 
Yes. It was really just fascinating to me where, you know, they were going to rename the Duke Ellington School the Dave Chappelle School. And he actually ultimately, you know, spoiler alert, says don't. Um, you know, <laughs> basically, he wants to rename it the Free Expression School where artists have the ability to say what they're going to say. And, you know, you just deal with it in the time that you're that you live. And I just think that's a really it's a really interesting challenge that we have these days. But but to me, there is a limit and you and you have to set it. You as the artist have to set it. I thought that I would probably whether or not you love like hate Dave Chappelle, it is worth watching that special. It's the most recent special on Netflix for that reason. Because he went through the whole thing about going through Duke Ellington, and he said, I was taught by the wonderful teachers and artists at this school to express myself and to be an artist. And he's like, in a lot of, and then basically he called out a lot of people from the faculty at that school who were really upset at Dave Chappelle's previous couple specials, uh, where some communities were really upset. And he said, I'm an, I feel like I'm an artist and I can express those things. And if you have a problem with it in this school, then you're not ready. Nobody's ready yet to put his name on it. I mean, he was a little bit egocentric about it, but I got the point. Okay. Yeah. When, you, when yeah, you're I mean, ready, he... <laughs> when you're ready to accept artists for doing art that they believe is important, then you can put my name on it. So That's right. Says, oh, okay. I see where you're going with that, Dave. But it's not... It's not easy. I mean, from from what you just said, I mean, it's not the same thing, obviously. But when I wrote The Will to Die, which was the, the fiction novel thriller that I wrote in 2019, I had there were some situations that reminded some of my family members about stuff that happened in our lives, because a lot of the stories in there came from real stories that I was around in the in the funeral business, in the restaurant business, and I took those and I fictionalized them. And there were some people that got really upset at it. And I didn't, I honestly, Robert, didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, well, do I edit this out? And do I change it? And I decided, I man, I'll tell you what, I, I had some sleep, sleepless nights because I did not expect that kind of reaction. So I was very surprised by it because I was proud of it. I thought it was a really amazing representation of the funeral business and those types of things. And I came back and I'm like, okay, should I make a change? And my first instinct was, no, I should not. This was the, this was the, the, the words that came out when, when I was writing. And this is the way the story was supposed to be, in my opinion, supposed to be written. And then, you know, I talked with my wife about it, went through and I said, is it worth it? And so I basically decided to edit a little bit out. I don't regret sure. editing it, but it was. Well, that's the. It, it, it was. You basically decision. decided that that wasn't the hill you wanted to. Die I didn't want. On, right? Yes, it, did, I, yeah. it wasn't worth making a few people that were close to me really upset or nervous or not want right. to be proud. That's of, right. of that book being out. So I and and I and I still I think that was the right decision. But I got to tell you, I thought that I was compromising my principles. I really did. I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, and I think that's that line, right? That's the line where, you know, you have to, you have to decide based on who you want to be as a creator and how you want to be seen as a creator and what you're willing to 
deal with, you know, and these are all personal choices. It's, you know, there's no one right answer for everybody. Um, and, you know, what you're willing to deal with in a world where opinions are plenty and the ability to distribute those opinions are easy. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very, you know, I, I, I remember the, <clears throat> I don't know why this example is coming up for me, but, you know, from a marketing perspective, do you remember the, the, the McDonald's, uh, this was, this is years ago. This is when social media was just really getting going like 2010 or 2011. And it was the Mc, I can't even remember the hashtag. It was like McDonald's life or Mc, Mc life or got something taken, like yeah. that. Didn't it get taken? The <clears throat> hashtag got taken over. Is that the one? It really about? got taken over. Yeah. yeah. It got taken over and it was basically, you know, people putting up, you know, pictures of McDonald's with rats and then it would say McLife, you know, hashtag, right? And I happened to be at the same conference as the social media person Mark, from yeah, McDonald's. Exactly. I remember that. Yep. And and asked them what was going on. And they basically said, look, this is, you know, item number 482 on my to-do list, right? The number of people, you know, this, you know, from a, from an, you know, the number of people that are actually doing this are so small in relative comparison to everything else we're doing. We're just not that worried about it. So it makes all the inside baseball trade, you know, headlines and stuff like that. But it, it's one of those things where it, it, you know, a very small minority can cause a generally large wave and you just have to sort of, you know, as part of being a content creator is riding those waves out these days. Same, yeah, same thing with the reviews, right? You, you and I yeah, both. Yeah, that's right. You and I both have had people not like some of the content that we put out, some of the books sure, that we put yeah. out. Right. Yeah. And at first, you take it very personally, and then you realize it's doing it's doing good for a lot of people, and there's a few it doesn't help. I'm sorry, it doesn't help you. Okay, what, yeah, what are you going right. to do? That's right. And that's why, generally speaking, for my you know, the, my, the, the choice that I've made as a content creator for books I've written for this podcast, for example, for basically works that I'm not going to go back and change and can't change because it's out there into the world. I don't read the reviews, I, positive or negative, uh, because it doesn't matter, right? The positive is probably, you know, isn't, isn't going to help me that much other than to feed my ego. And the negative isn't really going to help, you know, even if it's constructive criticism, okay, thanks. I, you know, should have reworded that sentence or I should have done that piece of research a little more deeply or whatever, but it doesn't, you know, it is what it is at this point, right? The, the work of art and the work is the work and it needs to be judged on its own. And, you know, unless I completely do something where I have to pull it back, which is highly unlikely given the topic that I cover, it's, you know, good reviews. So I just stopped reading them full stop, right? You know, and, you know, like I haven't gone to my Amazon book reviews in years because I just don't care, you know, one way or the other. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't like negative reviews. I just don't want to. That's right. I oh, just I don't, don't want to feel any which way about them. That's to, right. To well, and the, and the, because and I the got emotional matter, because yeah. in the past I've gotten really upset about it. And, oh, and same I, here. Yeah, absolutely. I know of a few people who have a very large following on Twitter and there's people that hate tweet 
them back all the time and I've talked to them. Of I'm like, what do you do? Yeah. And they say the same thing that you said. I use Twitter as a promotion vehicle. I share my thoughts and I share links and whatever the case is, but I do not read the responses. That's right. Because you can't. Because you get sucked you, into that vortex. Yep. You never come out. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, speaking of reviews. <laughs> that's a really good. <laughs> what a segue. What, we segue. didn't even design it that way, but what a great segue oh, for, uh, yeah, well, for we like... being able to thank everybody. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, so anyways, for those people who haven't listened to the last few episodes, you and I put out a bounty, if you will. And so that anyone that would like to give reviews of this old marketing, that we will pay them $20 in tilt coin from my side and $20 worth of idea coin on your side. And it's actually right. done really well. Um, it really has. And the reason why we're, we're promoting this is because we've been told, you know, we're not podcast masters by any means, but we've been not told that, but did you get more reviews? Uh, on Apple and Spotify and Google and whatever else, it, it helps you in findability. And we would like more people to listen to this show, frankly, because That's, we do yes. have big egos. Um, yes. But we just wanted to throw out some some thanks. We've had a lot of amazing uh, – I love some of these names. Uh, just a thanks to uh, Jeff, our good friend Jeff Corrin, uh, Friction Free Pete. We love you. Magic Salad. Got to love that review there. Uh, Brian Piper, of course. Great review. I like this one. Shiver Me, t- Shiver me Jimbers. Really good oh, review. That's such a great name. Yeah. Uh, uh, Annie uh, Annie goes by Shiffin, Shiffin Shoe. I uh, just had yeah. a really, really nice review. Just the nickname, Brian215, and many, many others gave us wonderful. And the my favorite one was we were called uh, – actually, I have to <laughs> – I have to. This whole marketing is hands down my favorite crypto slash NFL podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Two one right. There you go. For that, that's See, you never know. Should, that's what we should market this thing as. You that's what, it, it really the crypto NFL crypto podcast. NFL. That is Not, a niche yeah. market. We, do we really talk about marketing? Anyways, if you want to give us a review, we would love that. Uh, thanks again for those who gave us reviews. Just go to thisoldmarketing.site and shoot us a note in the contact us form and. Include your rally ID and proof that you did the review, and we will happily send you the twenty dollars worth of tilt and and idea card. So it's forty dollars worth. Really, I mean, if tokens. you think about it, yeah. The, and you know, and could be more. Could be more if you hold it. It could, it could be, be less. More if you hold it. It could be less, but it could be more. It could be less. It could be more. Could, it, it all depends. It might be less. It probably does. will be less, but we can't. It could be more. But we, yeah, we can't say either way. Because you know, we're we're not no. securities by any means. We don't want to be thought that of as correct. securities. Yes, it's not right. financial advice has of any yet kind. Yet to rule on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, but thank you so much for for that. It's been a it's been kind of been a fun little thing to see some of these come through. So, thank you. Absolutely, thank you so much for that. All right, should we get to uh, should we get to our yeah? Show what are we here? talking about and, today? Well, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about Twitter. Uh, and of course, you know, we probably should talk about uh, the billionaire man child who is uh, still there's been a little bit of an update there. But more than that, we're going to talk a little bit about how Twitter plans to revamp spaces uh, and really get into some of the things that we have actually suggested that uh, happen in the social audio space before. We'll also talk about Facebook because, of course, we're going to talk about our favorite platform here. There's a lot going on with Facebook right now and Facebook uh, with the feed and Instagram with what they're doing and also 
they're now coming down and saying they're not going to pay publishers, but might pay content creators. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the payola that's actually going on now in popular podcasts and how guests are paying the big bucks to actually be guests on podcasts and see what that might portend for the platform. And if we get time, we'll actually talk about the gold rush of being a YouTuber and how there are people shocking, shockingly, taking advantage of that. I'm shocked. Uh, and then we'll... I'm shocked, uh, yeah, Robert. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then we'll get to our rants and rave section, of course, where uh, I will talk a little bit about uh, uh, more about Facebook because, of course, we need more about Facebook. But I have, a, I have a quick take on what's going on with their recent performance and what's going on in the world with Facebook. And you are going to talk a little bit about um, some of our friends and family who are actually holding a conference uh, exactly this week. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, fun. Fun, fun, yeah. fun. And we're not absolutely. talking about anything that has to do with the Cleveland Browns. No. Oh, no. Nothing. No. No. Not a thing. Oh, it's so hard for me not I'm to not, say something right yeah, now. I feel really nothing. hard. I feel. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no emotions. Okay. There's nothing. Okay. okay. All right. And I feel nothing. I swear, though, nothing. if they go out and get Garoppolo, I'm going to be fuming. Uh, <laughs> they just basically every quarterback in the league that doesn't have a job right now is going to work for the Browns at some point. See, I wasn't going to say anything, and now I did say something. It's uh, that was my fault I feel because I let into nothing. It. Yeah, but we are an NFL podcast, and we have to at least you know mention some part of the That's NFL right. during. So anyway, that's right. Well, and the funny thing is, is that I'm I'm here singing uh, a song from Chorus Line, and uh, and we're talking about the NFL. So it's not only your crypto podcast; it's a crypto NFL Broadway musical podcast. I mean, are it just doesn't mu- get any better than that. Are there any podcasts that have formats set up like musicals? Because I think maybe that's a missed opportunity for us. That you know, that basically do the entire podcast in like recessive, like yes. they do in uh, uh, you know, to you know. But it's Hello, an audio. Joe. It's an boy. That would be something unique. It's an audio. Welcome musical. to episode number three thirty-five of this old marketing for Thursday, August fourth, twenty twenty-two. We should that that would be hard because you'd have to rhyme it. That's the that's the tough part of all that. And hundreds of listeners switch turn off. That's right. to a different podcast. As you come up with that idea, so we'll just move. Yes. On. Did move anybody right have? Along. Robert Rose doing recessive on their bingo card. You just, yeah, take a drink. No, they're right, looking let's up get to what our... recessive actually means. That's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. that's so, right. Okay, that's right. Go ahead, let's go. All right, yeah. all right, let's get to our first sure. story here, which is about Twitter, and it comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch, uh, which has covered this story um, in, uh, in, in all sorts of detail here. Twitter to revamp spaces, it says, and testing themed station and a daily digest. The story opens up by saying Twitter is developing an updated version of its audio chat rooms known as spaces. TechCrunch learned and Twitter then confirmed. Uh, the company said that it's currently working on a new experiment for the Twitter spaces tab, but declined to discuss the specifics of that. That change. Oh, they're being a little coy. Yeah. Okay. However, screenshots of one of the earlier versions of this test include what appear to be a thematic audio station as well as personalized audio digest. The test shows a revamped look and feel for spaces that organizes the audio rooms into topics like music or sports. Uh, these are represented with colorful cards and imagery from the programs. 
Oddly, the images appear to represent traditional podcasts in some cases. There's also a feature dubbed Your Daily Digest, which includes a selection of programs that can be played with the click of a button. The tab also shows you who's listening, much as it does now. The company said an official announcement would be further down the road after concepts are finalized. And the whole thing with Elon is over. Sorry, that's my addition. I did, they didn't actually say that. <laughs> um, but what do you think? What do you think about that? I this this to me is 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 such interesting news from Twitter because I think they're truly finally getting what this social audio thing should be about. But what do you think about this? Well, okay. First of all, what should their social audio be about? Like, what do you think that this is leading into? You think that I think. Go ahead. I this is the, so this is what I think it should have been about all the all along which is a place that I already aggregate which is Twitter right I go and I post content and I read content and now I can listen to content and I could subscribe to people that I like shows that I like that are you know it's another interface for me to subscribe to now here's the thing the you know the type of content that should be slightly different than a podcast i don't even know what that really means yet but perhaps it's more like a radio station than you know more topical more uh live more raw more like a you know tune in uh, at four o'clock and hear the hot take from somebody on something right in other words you're going there because of the person. You're not going there to meet in a room and talk about things. That's, to me, it's always, social audio has always been more about the, you know, uh, a place, not like a Zoom room, right? The Rather, the place to consume content and to maybe then have the ability to comment on it or, you know, do things about it. But that's, to me, that's what Clubhouse should have been from the very beginning. I think the mo- we've talked about this before. The social audio model, whether it's flawed or it's just not there yet, it's it's tough. I mean, you and I have been on a number of those clubhouse rooms when you get people asking questions and it just gets out of hand, or you get a free for all of ten people that are speaking and you're like, "What the heck is this?" And sometimes you just want you just want good audio programming. You you're interested. That's in right. Stuff, That's exactly. So right. I like your idea of. A radio, a radio stations work really well. You're just talking about Twitter has a a fairly robust audience, and they could build some audio programming around that. Is sort of where we're at right now. My take on this, like, who knows where this is going? I mean, Twitter just seems to be every week they're doing something different, um, and I and I believe the reason is, is because they don't know if ultimately. Spotify is going to buy them. Apple's going to buy them. Is it Meta that's going to buy them? Um, is it around video? Is it around audio? What is it? What is it that Twitter really brings to the table? And that's that's where I think they're at because they're like we, we're going. They're going to test out a hundred different things at one time because they are obvious. They obviously want a buyer, and it's not going to be Elon. So that's right. Elon's going to pay whatever penalty he has to pay for all his shenanigans with twitter and you're going to see twitter purchased in the next 12 to 18 months by some insert some big name insert some big social network with an audience and they're dangling oh yeah spaces so who's paying attention to that spotify's paying attention to that and then when you get into into anything video related you're like oh okay maybe google's paying attention to that maybe netflix is paying attention you know that kind of thing 
So yeah, I think that's that's right. I think that's right, and I think I think that you know you're 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 also right on the Elon thing because Elon's going to have to pay. It's it's going to be more than a billion dollars. I, I don't know that it's going to be the twelve or fourteen and the difference of the stock price between fifty four and whatever it is on the day of the Chancery Court's uh, uh, ruling, but it'll be somewhere in that range. And the question then is, what does Twitter do with that influx of cash? Because you know they're obviously going to have to do something with it. They could issue a, you know, they could issue a dividend. They could do you know all kinds of things with it. I, I suspect what they would do with it is put it in the bank, right? Just put it, in, you know, put it in as a, you know, as as money that they can spend on developing the platform, and then move along. And at that point, the you know the stock price is depressed as it will be for sure. They'll have money in the bank for development of stuff. They'll be free of the Elon thing. And I think you're exactly right. I think at that point, somebody goes, now let's come in and buy the company and figure yeah. out what we're going to do with it. But and, you, and yeah, do you remember, the t- you remember the timing of all this? So when e- the Elon offer came around, up until that point, Twitter was not launching a lot of new products. No, exactly. And then probably like, what, two, three weeks after the Elon thing, when you started to get a feel up, oh, Twitter starts launching everything. Like yep. there was some kind of all hands meeting where the executive team said, put every, all those projects, pilot projects you're working on, put them all out. Yep. Because of yeah, this exactly. time, anti- they were anticipating that at this time. So that's, yeah. so whatever, what do I know? But that's, that's the gut feeling that I have. And I think that every week you're going to see Twitter launch a new thing. But in this case, there's no need to reinvent the wheel when radio has been around for a long, long time, and the model works, and you have 200 million subscribers that can listen to it like they listen to Pandora or Spotify or Agreed. whatever. Agreed. Yeah. I, you know, I just think, you know, this is, I mean, as I've said a million times, this is a feature, not a platform. And I think as a feature of Twitter, um, you know, the use case right now, I think we're we're all struggling to sort of figure out the right use case for this, right? You know, what, you know, is it, you know, do you put your podcast there? Do you put a live show there? Do you put, you know, do you put, you know, a meeting of your community there? You know, a lot of people are really sort of just, you know, throwing the spaghetti against the wall and seeing what's going to work. But I think ultimately, it, I think there probably is some sort of use case there as a feature that enhances the Twitter experience. Maybe it's live reporting from journalists, right? You know, and it's sort of like, you know, that you just sort of get your your daily news from from there. It, there's there's all kinds of things that could be. And I like the fact that they're I mean, I, look, I'm a fan and I'm 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 ever hopeful that they're going to figure their shit out because I want Twitter to succeed. I really do. I, I, I like the platform and I and I want them to do well. So, you know. The more innovation I see coming out of them, the happier I am. And I think, you know, it's all a big we'll see. see. But it's hard to believe. I mean, I'm a fan of Twitter as well. And it's hard to believe that they're pretty much at the same price as when they launched their IPO. It's It's amazing. It is amazing to think that at the same time you've had Meta grow 50 times, whatever, these crazy numbers for Pinterest and for Meta and, 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 and Snap even to an extent. And then yeah. what's going yeah, on with TikTok, when these things yeah. are going crazy. And you've still got Twitter there. That's a, this wonderful, amazing brand. Everybody knows Twitter. And the unlocked value there is 
is pretty incredible. So oh, we'll it's so high. I mean, and the funny thing is, is that they're growing subscribers. I mean, they are growing audience, but they have not been able to grow the revenue per user. And so they just can't, they can't seem to get out of their own way in terms of monetizing that. You know how easy so, that would be? Just say anybody over a million followers, you have to pay $199 a month now. Yeah, something, right? Whatever. I mean, Let's uh, whatever it know, is. We talked about this a few shows ago, right? You know, we did that math and we were like, here's, you know, can we add $10 million to the bottom line right now? Sure. You know, here's four product ideas. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. Int- well, it's interesting too. I mean, what last episode we talked about TikTok has something like 36,000 creators right now with more than a million fans, million followers. I mean, if you think about that, those creators do not want to lose that. That's right. And and the TikToks and the Twitters of the world, as we've talked about, they set the rules. They set the algorithm rules, and they they set all the rules dictating who sees your content. And if you do all the work to get to a million, you're not going to let it go. No, of course not. If, we, if you do all the work to get to 100,000 or 50,000, yeah. you're not going to let I that would go. Pay, you I mean, talked about it. Yeah. I would pay. Yeah. I would pay I would totally something. Pay. I don't know what that number would be, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to lose that access. No, if I get if I get better reach, some analytics and, you know, (laughs) the the big blue check mark next to my name, uh, I'm you know, I'm good. I am. I am. I'm all good with that. You don't have that. Yeah. Bothers me. I I can't sleep at night sometimes because you don't have that. I I know. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. All right. And now I know you need it. Time for a sponsorship break. Be back in a bit. So, the sponsor of this episode of This Old Marketing is Zapier. Now, I've heard about Zapier because they sponsor quite a few of the podcasts that I listen to. So, go podcast advertising. Anyway, as part of the sponsorship, they made a little ask of us to actually try using Zapier before we promote the heck out of it. Small enough ask, I thought. So, basically, Zapier is supposed to help you be more productive by tying your apps together and creating simple tasks, which I learned are called zaps. So I signed up. Now for my zap, I wanted to keep track of all my calendar appointments into a spreadsheet and then put the name of the person I'm meeting with, their email address, and the date together automatically. Now I've always wanted to do this as part of lead scoring. Basically, a meeting with me means something important happened and I wanted to keep track of this. It took me five minutes to set this up. Now it automatically populates a spreadsheet for me. And believe me, if I can do this in five minutes, you can do it in three. It's super easy to understand. So now, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm a believer. And I have a bunch of things I want to do with Twitter and Discord to help me be more productive. Seriously, check it out. Go to zapier.com T-O-M to try it today for free. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash T-O-M. And please use the code so they continue to sponsor this old marketing podcast. Thank you. And now back to the future award-winning marketing and media podcast, This Old Marketing. Thanks for listening. All right, let's move along here and let's talk a little bit about our friends at Facebook uh, or Meta, should we say, because it does encompass all of the hashtag, all of the things that Facebook is doing. The first story, we're going to pair a few stories here together uh, and then talk about sort of the larger implications of all this. The first is, and this comes courtesy of Axios, 
is that Meta on Tuesday, and that's Tuesday of this week, began telling its news partners in the U.S. that the company is actually for sure 100% double dog dare down now, no longer going to pay publishers for their content to run on Facebook's news tab. Uh, The company moves forward with sweeping changes to the experience, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, Basically, news has become less of a priority. Meta's VP of Media Partnerships, Campbell Brown, who is probably right now talking to headhunters, uh, told staffers (laughs) that the company was shifting resources away from its news product to support more creative initiatives, said the Wall Street Journal. Facebook brokered a slew of three-year deals with publishers in 2019, which we talked about on this show for sure, as the company was ramping up its investment in news and hired journalists to actually help direct publisher traffic to its news tab uh, for access to the news. Combine that with a story that comes to us courtesy of Digiday, which now is about Instagram. And now Instagram has said the opposite. As Facebook cuts back on its payments to publishers, Meta-owned sibling Instagram is actually opening up its wallet as the platform continues its controversial pivot to short-form video with TikTok clone Reels. Instagram is paying media companies for posting Reels that reach certain view count thresholds, according to executives at media companies participating in the program. Last year, Instagram rolled out this program to pay individual creators for posting Reels, and it has been expanding that program to media companies as well. Then the last thing we'll actually talk about here that we can sort of add and throw into the mix um, comes courtesy of The Verge. And this is that Facebook is now rebranding the news feed after more than 15 years. Uh, As the article says, Meta is changing the name of Facebook's news feed, the primary part of the service that users scroll through to see what their friends and family have shared. Going forward, it'll just be called The Feed, according to a tweet from the company on Tuesday. Big Tuesday was a big news day for Facebook. Uh, The news feed name has been in place since the feature was first introduced more than 15 years ago. In some ways, it's a massive change. Facebook is one of the world's most used platforms, and The Feed is its main interface. On the other hand, maybe it's just a name change to better reflect the diverse content that people see on their feeds. According to an email sent to The Verge by Facebook spokesperson, uh, Dami Oyafeso, uh, the change does not impact the app experience more broadly. Ha ha ha, uh, Dami said with tongue firmly in cheek. Um, and so I think this is fascinating all the way around um, and basically speaks to, I think, a major overreaction from Facebook and Instagram to try and chase the juggernaut that is TikTok. But but what do you what do, what do you think about all these changes going on in our friends at Meta? Well, the I have a really snarky comment, and I'm going to make it. Sure, um, of course, yeah. the The move away from news content for Meta is probably makes sense because it's actually content that is fake actually does better on the platform. So generally news organizations create fact-oriented content. It doesn't work well <laughs> for Facebook's well, algorithm. Yeah. Is that true? Wouldn't you agree with it? <laughs> Would I, you agree I, with it's it? Absolutely, it's absolutely true. I'm not sure that that's their motivation, but it's absolutely may, yeah, true. Yeah. May, maybe maybe not as you go. But um, it. I guess I thought, okay, so with the publishers thing, and they paid the publishers for the news starting and did a whole bunch of deals in 2019 that are moving away from those. I look at those as that's kind of a tax abatement 
issue when you want to get a company to move into your town you'll say look we won't we won't charge you taxes or we'll pay you something some incentive well facebook wanted these publishers to use the platform you say okay we're going to pay you to do that and then we're not going to pay you to do that actually i think that's the same thing that's going to happen with instagram it's like oh let's get all let's hey none of these none of these news organizations they got lots of video but they're not using real what do we do let's pay them We'll pay them to use it, and then in a couple of years, after they're all integrated and using it, and yep. everybody's a fan Sun of it, cost, yeah. then they'll say, exactly. oh, well, we're not going to pay you anymore. This is a very right. natural thing for a company like Meta to do, whether you like that or not. I think that's just the way it is, and uh, you kind of have to live with it if you're a news organization. So that's the one take. The other take is you could also just say that Facebook is moving away from textual content to video-oriented content as they continue to fight the battle with well i think this is it with tiktok so which yeah i think i think they are i think facebook is looking at meta let's just i just it's really i struggle with that whole thing but um i think meta is looking at the landscape and based on its you know bruised uh past when it comes to news coverage, politics, and to your point, fake news, and all the things that it's been, uh, it, it's been, you know, sort of saddled with, um, fairly and unfairly, by the way, um, in terms of you know how people use the platform. I think one of the things that's going on in the hallways right now are people saying, "We have to get out of this business, right? We have to be not the platform where people shout at each other." around you know abortion rights we want to be like more like tiktok where people are you know having you know interesting you know experiences watching people cook rice you know what i mean and 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 see their you know see see their amazing little vacation videos and and those kinds of things so they see what's going on there and they and 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 i it, it they see the engagement that's happening on tiktok and they see the lack of controversy so far around how TikTok is not being used as a place to, you know, create polarized uh, groups, which is antithetical to what Facebook wants. Facebook needs to be a broadcast ma- medium, right? You know, a lot of people have said, "Oh, what?" You know, the really the way to use Facebook is basically just to set up a private group and just be a little private group. You know, having hundreds of thousands or millions of groups of 50 is 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 much less interesting to an advertiser than having a big broadcast audience that you can target at any time right De- mm-hmm. based on demographic so i think they're trying to figure out a way to not create the pockets of you know privacy basically you know in their audiences coupled with this idea that you know, this, like you said, the hyper growth of TikTok as a platform drinking the milkshake of both Instagram reels and Facebook audience time on site and saying, we have to fix this, right? I personally, and I'll talk a little more about this in my rants and raves uh, later, but I personally think this is a huge mistake that they're making, basically spoiling the nest that they've built. Um, rather than, you know, and trying to, 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 to overreact to, to what's going on here. And it's, it's really, you know, you can see it basically turning off, you know, turning off audiences, 
right? The, the, the revolt that's happening on Instagram right now is a great example of this. It will happen if, if Facebook continues down this road and all of a sudden tomorrow morning our feed changes into, you know, sort of general feed of content, whether we follow that content or not, you know, very much like what TikTok does, you will see people streaming away from Facebook because there's really no reason at that point to, to be a subscriber to it anymore. I think there is room, though. I think... I almost think that they're in the point where Microsoft was at a decade ago, maybe a little bit more than that, where we were like, oh, my God, Microsoft is struggling. What are they going to do? Windows is moving off the CD. How are they going to, you know, everything's buying things from the cloud. And we didn't know if Microsoft was going to make it. Well, now Microsoft is one of the top three most valuable companies in the world and and maybe the most solid of all of them. Apple, Microsoft, right? It's 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 been that way for 30, 40 years now. And maybe Meta feels like they're in one of those moments where they have to figure out who they want to be. And they do have some play. I mean, as you pointed out, they still have a huge audience and they're still making a ton of money. And they feel like, okay, we have have a couple years here where we're not going to lose our main customers uh, or, or if we if we do things a certain way but let's let's see where we want to be where we want to be I I do agree that I think a lot of this is uh, too quick of a reaction to what's going on with TikTok and I, I you know we talked about in the last episode we I, I, don't, I don't think that um, I, TikTok is not going to be in a bull market for the next three years. Like no, they're going exactly to hit something right. where they hit on hard times as well because they're growing so fast. At some point, you just can't grow that fast anymore. That's right. That's right. It, it, there will, as I said on the last episode, there will be a correction for TikTok in the shorter than longer term. And, and whether that comes in the form of regulation, which could easily happen, you know, I mean, it's funny. When I actually do my little walk in the dog survey, of people and their usage of TikTok, it's not a little bit or, you know, a a lot, right? It's either, no, I absolutely do not watch TikTok at all because I don't want them, you know, I don't want the Chinese government having control of my data. Um, Or, oh yeah, my, you know, my kids or I am, you know, I get sucked in and I can get sucked in for an hour, right? There's no sort of like casual use of, of, of TikTok right now. And I think what that speaks to is sort of the, the extremes that, you know, those that are deep in, and I, I count myself, by the way, in this, I, I went deep down that rabbit hole and I started looking at TikTok and started thinking about, I would create videos for it. And then I just went, you know what? Three weeks later, after my sort of deep dive in, I'm bored. I'm, I'm bored with it already, you know? And really, Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, now do I ever watch it? Yeah, I've, 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 you know, I've clicked on it at the end of lunch and stuff like that. But I, but I find myself ever more sort of just, it's the same thing, right? You know, in other words, you can, re, you know, reset the algorithm, I suppose, and start seeing new stuff. But it's the same video, just different people doing, you know, because they're all playing with the algorithm, right? You know, they're all playing, you know, the, all the creators on TikTok are, are, are aware that, ah, when this video goes viral, I'll make one just like it. And, you know, and the memes, you know, sort of feed off of each other and stuff like that. And I think ultimately in the long term that will 
alt that that it has to reach saturation point where people are just like, nope, yeah. I'm done. I've reached the end of TikTok, basically. Well, it's interesting. And, yeah, at the same time, I don't know if you're getting this, but I would say in the last three weeks, four weeks, I have gotten so many service providers that said I can do a TikTok video for you every day. Here's how they work. We got to figure it out. Do this. It works. Here's case studies and the whole thing. And I'm, I'm like, wow, that's a lot in a short period of time. And this sort of it's you know, true. Great, well, that's, know, a, started, that's, started, yeah, that's the hype. Spidey sense yeah, comes sure. on. You're like something doesn't feel quite right. If no, you're exactly to right. See this. Yeah, yeah. So. That's the uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that if we get to the the gold rush of being a YouTuber. But you know, yeah. I mean, I get the same things, right? I get the you know the consultants, you know, and the agencies calling up and saying, oh, you know, oh, you're not on, you know, you're you're not doing reels. You should be doing Instagram reels every day, you know, and 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 yeah. you know following the game Gary Vaynerchuk sort of strategy of, of content distribution. It's like, Nope, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Well, the, the last thing that I'll say on it is just if the, if it, on the Instagram paying media companies, and this was talked about in yeah. the article, if apparently there's really no rule to what you get as a media company and they can't, nobody can figure it out how much payment you get, uh, depending on if you get a million shows, Shocked. How, yeah, shocking. That's, but it's a, that's a problem. And that's where Google and YouTube have always been pretty good about it because you can predict what you're going to make. And everybody gets the same depending on what program you're in. And if this is a black box and nobody can figure it out, it, that's, a, that's a tough way to go. They really need to be specific and say, you do this, you get this, you get it. And I, it, it says in this one, uh, at the part where they're talking about payments, it says, in some cases, the maximum payouts can surpass $20,000 per month, according to media executives. You right. got to remember, if you're any good size media company, twenty thousand dollars per month is probably not worth it for them. It's not for the extra effort. No, yeah, not, probably not, not, not for oh all my of the, God. Yeah. It's a rounding error for a lot of these companies, and they're not even good. That's if it's right. a small creator, great, you're into it. If you're a media company, you're like, we're doing all this for two hundred thousand dollars a year to for right. being on it. Like, exactly. Forget it. And cannibalizing our own channels yeah. to do it? Yeah, no, not not so much. Because somebody's going to say, let's just create our own email newsletter. <laughs> Instead, sell sponsorships against it, and we could do much better, and we keep our own data. So, hey. Huh. That, that, there should be like a business model around that. Yes, like, I there should know. be a book that talks about a business model about how you might do that. And <laughs> you know what? It's, it's such a good book that it needs like a second edition. That's what I think. <laughs> it needs a, a, some sort of like framework You're or the ability to... Nice. I don't even know if you're talking about my book or not, but I am talking oh, about your book, you. right? Yeah. You know. Appreciate that. Content Incorporated, I believe it's called. Yeah. Yes. You know and, and it's um, in the Italian version of that is content business. Okay, is it really? Yeah. It says content yeah. business on it. I'm like that's great. I think I think the Italian wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it killing marketing in Italian was like marketing de morte. Oh yeah, like didn't it? Oh yeah, it was, I thought it was a great. It was it so didn't have blood on the cover. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it, it was, had a marketer was, dying on the cover. Yeah, yeah, like, it was like blood graphic. splattered everywhere. We need more yeah, of that. it was great. We need more of that. Excellent. All right, one last story before we get to our rants and rave section, and it is about podcasting, um, and this is coming courtesy of Bloomberg. Uh, and it's really interesting because the headline here is podcast guests are paying up to $50,000 to appear on popular shows. 
Critics call it payola and say listeners deserve better disclosure of promotional ties. You know, critics can call it everyone. It's payola, by the way. Spoiler alert. It's not It's not like payola. It is payola. Critics call it payola. Yeah, it is payola. This is the definition of payola. Anyway, people will confess all sorts of things to podcasters from their unpopular political beliefs or embarrassing romantic mishaps to their worst fears. But there's one revelation certain guests will never disclose, namely that they're paying thousands of dollars just to be interviewed on the show. Ashley Carmen, the writer of this, has to be very proud of themselves for that intro. Anyway, welcome to the golden era for pay-for-play podcasting, where guests pay handsomely to be interviewed for an entire episode. In exchange, the host gets some revenue, fills out the programming calendar, and might bag a future advertiser. Determining exactly how widespread the practice is can be tricky. Disclosures, if included at all, might last only a few fleeting seconds in an hour-long interview, and various hosts use different language to describe the nature of such relationships. What percentage of shows accept payment in exchange for airtime is also difficult to say. Uh, According to nearly a dozen interviews with industry sources, it appears the practice is particularly popular among podcasts in the wellness, cryptocurrency, and business arenas. I'm shocked that those are the three areas. Cryptocurrency? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, in an age when social media influencers routinely get paid for mentioning a brand in an Instagram post or YouTube video, this marriage of convenience shouldn't come as a complete shock. Still, not everybody thinks it's a good idea. As someone who's making money for that type of advertorial content, it should be disclosed, said Craig uh, Delsack. Craig Delsack, a New York-based media lawyer. Uh, It's just good practice and builds trust with the podcaster. It can't be the Wild West. And U.S. regulators apparently also agree. Uh, Basically, a Federal Trade Commission spokesperson says the agency cannot comment on specific situations for this story. But our general guidance says the FTC is, regardless of the medium in which an advertising or promotional message is disseminated, deception occurs when consumers acting reasonably under the circumstances are misled about its nature or source. Anyway, the article goes on to describe uh, these things in a little more detail and actually quite a bit more detail, I should say. Um, But what do you think about this? I mean, this seems like... uh, a growing issue as podcast grows from, you know, single billions to multiple billions as an industry. Um, you know, you and I are old enough to remember in radio when this became like a huge issue, right? Where bands would pay to get on, uh, the record companies would pay to get records played on, you know, on radio stations. Watch, yeah, watch any movie or documentary that goes through, you know, the 40s and 50s and 60s. Uh, into radio, 70s. and you into, saw into, the manager. Into the early seventies. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you, you saw the manager said WKTN or whatever, and they're standing there with you know five hundred dollars in their hands. The record goes on, and they give them the money, and they get out the door. So that's right. It, you know, I, the thing there is, were people who actually ran around the country and did that. Yes, like they literally had people whose job it was to drive around to the radio stations and pay the DJs and the the program managers at the radio stations. For to you know, they show up with a record and a wad of cash. Yeah, I don't know if it's the cynical part of me, but I don't see this as news because we know it's okay. It's been done in radio. It's being done in podcasts. It's being it's been done in print uh, media forever. And you know, then we had the whole how, how many episodes did we talk about the whole sponsored content labeling, native advertising fiasco of the 14s and 15s and 16s i mean that and that's still a thing today actually 
Because even if you look on, okay, this article's in Bloomberg, well, there's a bunch of sponsored content on Bloomberg. And and when you go to their article that's sponsored content, it says at the top, very small, sponsored content. Well, well, is that big enough? Should it be at the beginning and the end and the middle? Like how 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 much do I need to promote that it's sponsored content? So some yeah. of the some of the examples they give in this on podcasts are that that they're saying, oh, it's got to be right at the beginning. Well, if it's at the end, is that bad? Is it like what? So it just can't be regulated, in my opinion. It's never been able to be regulated. I don't know if it can be. It's just an issue that you know consumers almost have to make their own opinion of which shows that they listen to. And I hate to say that, but how many podcasts, you have millions and millions of podcasts. How many of those do this? A good handful of them. How does, how does somebody like the FTC enforce this? Especially when most of it being done, they're not like a traditional media company. They're usually a small yeah, creator. I, that's right. That's right. Well, I think there's a, you know, I think, I think you can regulate it to an extent, right? Because what we're really talking about here is you know the extent of damages right in other words somebody paying 500 bucks to be a guest on a podcast that has you know a thousand listeners i don't even know if that math works but um you know is one thing somebody paying a hundred thousand dollars to be on you know another podcast that has millions and millions you know it gets to the this debate has been happening for a while on the other side of things, which is the, you know, editing or regulation, you know, self-regulation of media companies around freedom of speech and being a platform versus being, you know, an edited platform, right? You know, being a media company versus being a platform. And in so many ways, this is a related issue, which is, you know, if you're small, you're the, 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 the extent of damages is, is low Therefore, you know, uh, your responsibility is lower, you know, as a, as a result of yeah, that. Prop T words, just talked about that recently. We yeah, were talking about a few right. episodes ago where, yeah, I mean, he even with his, he would think he was talking about his newsletter and there were a couple things that he didn't feel were appropriate or whatever. And he says, when I was sending it to a couple hundred people, no big deal. He didn't think. That's right. But when I'm sending That's it right. to 200,000, I have a different level of responsibility. That's right. That's right. And it's, you know, and, and you look at that as, you know, the responsibility of someone running a niche little community online somewhere versus CNN or, you know, MSNBC or Fox or any sort of huge broadcast network and the level of regulation there, you know, like if, if you know, you know, it, it, it's different, I think. And I think so you can legislate it or at least put in regulation, you know, whether you enforce that as a whole other is a whole other situation. But I think you can insert regulation to some degree at those upper tiers. Yes. And and, and I think that's what we've been talking about in, in so many ways that needs to happen to the social media platforms like Facebook, you know, bringing it all the way back around to where we talked about at the top of the show, what you can and can't and should or shouldn't say, you know, uh, on those particular platforms that they should be required to edit themselves for truth and trust and, and some of those things. And that, you know, that users ultimately creators on those platforms could and should probably be held responsible in some way for what they say. Um, 
and that there is some responsibility or culpability by the the platforms themselves to maintain that, you know, independent of how much it quote unquote costs for them to actually create that. And we've, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum on, on, on this show, but I think there's a similar thing here, which is there is a responsibility, I think, or a culpability at a certain level, right? That for native advertising and the, uh, you know, and whether that's really considered payola or, or not when it comes to a podcast yep. guest, you know, by the way, the same thing's going to happen on, you know, YouTube videos and, and television shows and, you know, it's all been happening forever, in terms of you know product placement versus you know me paying to be on a particular show um, because I'm an actor and I'm gonna you know I want that exposure and so on and so forth. You know, here's the perfect example of this. A lot of people don't know that the NFL and the Super Bowl, the halftime performer doesn't actually get paid, and in fact they have to pay for their own production of what they do, their own band, their own you know whatever they're yeah. doing. They just get a slot and they basically pay to be on that for the exposure. So there's a, to your point, there's a lot to unravel here and probably can't be unraveled. The the thing that when I was reading this, I always longed, and whether this is on Fox News or CNN or NBC, whatever your platform is, I always wanted them to say, okay, instead of expert in whatever field it is, I wanted them to say paid contributor to msnbc yeah exactly underneath and they could say expert and whatever sure i always wanted that and that doesn't happen enough in my opinion where you have oh that's yeah, right these, oh this whole panel that's they've all been paid by the networks to oh be of here. course all those panels on all those news shows cnn msnbc all those every time they bring in somebody they're getting paid yeah right those experts are getting paid for their for their opinion on you know, COVID or their opinion on the January 6th interaction. And, you know, they're all getting, they're all getting money for their appearance. Yep, exactly. So, all we, right. It, yeah, it's just, it's so unwieldy to me because it's everywhere. Yeah, no, it's a great point. It's a great point. It is unwieldy. And, you know, and, and one, it's a, it's a great point that you bring up, which is, you know, is this, you know, gambling going on in the casino? Is this really news, right? You know, is this really, is this really something that, you know, we need to be, thinking about that hard mm-hmm. probably not probably not yeah. Yeah. all right folks it is now time for our rants and raves section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we just listened to beyonce's new album unedited or if we just keep having to wait for the final version to come out <laughs> um do you want me to go first yeah go, you want to go, go ahead first? yeah you... absolutely okay go first. okay so uh, the, the mine is about um had a fascinating discussion offline uh, through email uh, with friend and family of the show, Stephen Davis. Um, hi, Stephen. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about Facebook. And it got me thinking about Facebook, you know, and something you actually mentioned during the show, which is let's not forget that Facebook is actually, you know, doing fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is, it is doing fine in the world. And, and, the real question, I think, and I'm going to link to a couple of uh, news articles here. One is from Seeking Alpha that talks about the solidity of Facebook's financials and where they are in the world vis-a-vis, you know, the rest of, you know, social media channels, by the way. Um, and another uh, article I'll link to is from AdAge, which is going to talk about, um, you know, TikTok, as fast as its growth has been, still trails by a lot 
um, the amount of money that's getting spent on uh, Instagram and or Facebook. So, you know, it's growing and it's a concern, but it's not like TikTok's running away with the, the, the barn here. Um, the key is when we start thinking about Facebook and Meta, you know, we need to remember that the real challenge here is growth and how much growth is enough for investors. That's the real thing here. It, basically, if you look at the, what they call the MAU or monthly average users of Facebook, it flattened in 2020 like most you know, companies had saw with, with, uh, with COVID. But the company hasn't stopped growing since it launched. You know, this, was the first, this was the first quarter that they actually made less money than the previous quarter. But they are still growing uh, the number of users on the platform. A 3% growth is what they had. But here's the thing to keep in mind, because we often forget the real numbers here. When you have 3 billion users on Facebook, that's what Facebook has, 3 billion users. That means you're still adding 90 million users every single month. 90 million people sign up for Facebook every month across the globe. So now you go on to the ARPU, which is the average revenue per user. And that, again, took a dip. But it's still the highest of all the social media platforms. So if I told you today, without naming the name, that I'm going to give you a media business, and the media business has doubled from 1.4 billion users in 2013 to 10 years later to 3 billion global users, you know, 10 years later in 2023, they've grown from an average revenue of $1.38 per user to $10.14 per user. Those are global numbers, by the way. The U.S. numbers are higher. You, and then it continues to grow at 93 million users per month. You'd be pretty happy with that business. You'd be like, yes, where do I sign up for that, for being the investor in that business? Sure. That's a strong business. Our concerns would be, ooh, are there enough people on the planet to support that business growth, 90 million users? The answer is no, of course not. You're literally saturating the market. B, it seems like this thing called TikTok is now threatening your ARPU number because their audience attention is taking away from your network. Yes, we should probably do something about that and see what's the growth strategy for getting above 3% growth every year or every month. We need something big. We need something big that's going to support our, our outrageous investor valuation right now. So the three big questions, if you know, we're all Mark Zuckerberg sitting in the CEO's office, are one, what can I do to diversify? Two, what can I do to make my shtick hip again? In other words, what are the kids dancing to? And three, what big-ass market should I be tackling? And all of those things are exactly the questions that we can see them addressing right now. The key is, is that, that we just believe that they're addressing them in entirely the wrong way. You know what I mean? They're just, the, you know, the focus on the metaverse is the giant growth opportunity. No, that just seems silly right now. Maybe we're overreacting to this whole TikTok thing. Maybe we should be asking ourselves, what other real estate should we be building a new business on that could do something interesting and more hip than TikTok? Innovate around TikTok. Jump the shark, as it were, um, over, over TikTok. And see what's the next cool thing that we should be building. Is it B2B? Is, it, you know, is there something else that can support a multi-billion dollar business that we should be doing that's not, quite honestly, you know, getting into the metaverse? entertainment business, you know, whatever it happens to be. Regardless of all of that, just remember that Facebook is very far away from dying. It's making $30 billion a quarter, $30 billion a quarter. At the peak 
of dot-com hysteria, AOL's annual revenue was less than $10 billion a year. So if Facebook fails, in my humble opinion, it's not going to be because of some poison pill or anything called TikTok. It's going to be because everybody had a toxic freakout at Facebook, overreacted, and jumped off the ship simply because the microwave popcorn was smelling a little burnt. So that's what I think about Facebook right now. It's the <laughs> proclamations of its death are highly over-exaggerated. And I guess I would say I agree with you, and I would also say that I don't know if the metaverse is wrong or not. It may just be early, and we just may not have any idea of what the metaverse is. Like I listened to the really good interview with a metaverse expert on the Prof G podcast last week, and the expert was talking, forgot the guy's name, sorry. He was talking about who has the best opportunity in whatever this metaverse is, and was talking about Apple because of AirPods. Because people right. are already plugged in yep. because of their tech. And that's the problem that I think F- Facebook or Meta has is because they don't have the tech. Apple that's does. Right. Apple has the gateway to whatever the metaverse becomes with the phone that's right. and the AirPods. So fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but. I mean, Facebook could have purchased, you know, if you think about it, was there an opportunity? This is a question. I have no conviction on this. But it, was there an opportunity a year ago or two years ago if Facebook hadn't been distracted with all the privacy stuff that Facebook could have acquired uh, Activision, uh, which Microsoft, of course, did, um, and one other of the gaming companies and basically taken the lead in everything interactive entertainment in, you know, in, with, with a couple of small acquisitions, not small, relatively small acquisitions, you know, Activision and maybe one of the other, you know, gaming companies and basically taken over the idea of building interactive gaming as a interface into Facebook usage, Um, you know, using your Facebook profile as your online avatar, you know, all those sort of things, building all of that in is sort of a interactive entertainment company, which is Facebook, you know, sort of meets its mission and then went okay great now that we're now that we're a juggernaut here in the interactive entertainment space can we offer that in a streaming way and beat netflix to the idea of delivering streaming gaming as a as you know as a as an idea that makes us hip again with the kids um and we can actually you know i don't know buy discord you know whatever those all so many opportunities there that it just seems like they've missed in sort of this you know Moby Dick, you know, sort of great white whale that Mark has with this idea of the metaverse through the Oculus that just seems a waste to me. No, it's interesting, though. It brings up when you talk about who they could buy. If you look at Microsoft's genius moves in the past, whether, you know, you mentioned Activision, but I think that the, their big change into the opportunities that will present itself for the next five years is when they bought Minecraft. Sure. Which was yep, Mo- they bought Mojang, owners of Minecraft. That was brilliant. Absolutely so if you right. think about great point, yeah, I'm, great point. But if you say Meta, like who could they buy? Roblox would be, I think, yep. a really good purchase because Roblox already is involved in the metaverse. They already have an economy that's building inside of itself. And at twenty-eight billion dollars, it wouldn't cost Meta all that. Much. I think they have that petty cash. So, well, exactly. Anyways, exactly. it's just interesting the way that things go. Um, yeah. How about you? Yeah, just uh, real quick, I wanted to uh, 
I'll put the link in the show notes. You and I were both talking about this. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Steve O did a magnificent commercial oh, it was with, so Mount, with this company called Mountain M N T N. Uh, my wife actually found it on LinkedIn, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I guess I wanted to show this because of the fact that you can actually do a commercial and have people pay attention to it if it's done well. <laughs> and I re- yep. I watched the whole commercial about Steve O eating a Carolina Reaper. And you watch the effect of that. And and you, you and I both know Ryan Reynolds is brilliant. And he just, the commercial is worth worth watching. It's like, what, a five-minute commercial? Something it's like totally that. a five-minute commercial yeah. that just, it just keeps, and it keeps hitting you with the call to action. But the way that they've positioned the call to action and what you're supposed to do and the brand is done so well because of the way that they've constructed it within the actual no spoilers here, right? Within what happens to Steve O after he eats this pepper, it's just, it's sheer brilliance. It really is. And, and by the way, she gave a lot of, wonderful. lot of, lot of love to Steve O as well because Steve O pulls off that kind of stuff better than from Johnny Knoxville yeah. fame, Jackass right. fame. Amazing what he does. So, anyways, shout on that, and just a shout out to to our friends at, uh, this morning. I went down with the. With my two kids to marketing AI conference, Maycon, yeah. and uh, Paul oh Paul Racer and Paul team Reitzer. and Kathy McPhillips and all the people that we love put yeah. on a great event. And I went to the opening sessions before I had to come back and, of course, do this imp- very important podcast with you. Uh, but just wanted to shout out. It was really well done in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, saw our friend Chris Penn present. Just really, really well done. And I think more than anything else. Um, you have to have a lot of guts in this environment to put on a physical event. So I just you wanted do. to throw out kudos and thank you to those people that attended. Um, you know, there's we're still sort of not out of this uh, post whatever pandemic part we're in right now. So it, it's tough to put <laughs> post, one on the post 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 pre post pre post. And what the, the last thing I'll right? share is, and, and Chris Penn talked about this in his keynote. Somebody was talking about, well, what can you do with a company that really figures out AI and how could that disrupt your business? And Chris Penn said, the way that you can get around that is to really take care and manage your direct connections with your audience and community because you don't have a TikTok or a Facebook or a Twitter algorithm, AI algorithm in the middle of that relationship that controls that relationship. So I thought that was great. We talk about that all the time. We're, we're yep. email uh email data and direct communications and having some kind of direct relationship with your customers is so critical. And of course, content marketing, email marketing, very important part of that. So anyway, it's actually congrats, about having congrats to them about ha- having some human intelligence to accompany your artificial intelligence makes it all better. I know everything makes it, makes it all better, better. So there every, you go. every, everything together. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, you know, if you uh, thank you so much for everybody who reviewed again, just we are going to uh, obviously keep this program going because, you know, payola, right? (laughs) We'll pay you um, for a lovely review in IdeaCoin or TiltCoin. So do give us a review if you feel like doing that. And, you know, as Joe mentioned, you can do that. And then let us know through thisoldmarketing.site where you can see all of our wonderful show notes and everything else and the links that we talked about today or dive into any of the other 334 uh, episodes. Just get on over there, thisoldmarketing.site. Remember the Twitter questions and story ideas. Thank you to Heath Dingwell again uh, every 
every week, it seems like we get the five stories that he sends over. Plus, so many of, of you others have sent over story ideas via the hashtag. So hashtag us up with This Old Marketing on Twitter. That always helps us put together a great show for you, which is our ultimate goal here. And until we meet again, folks, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. <laughs>